Open your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Luke, chapter number 16. There are certain messages that, as a preacher, you enjoy preaching. It is nothing that compares to the excitement of standing behind the pulpit and proclaiming the Word of God and proclaiming the greatness of God, proclaiming His power, proclaiming His majesty. There's nothing quite so exciting as having the privilege of opening God's Word and preaching a doctrinal message that stirs God's people up as they rouse with hearty amens all across the room. Then there are other messages that as a preacher you really don't like to bring. When you must stand up and proclaim that sin is sin. Then there's another group of messages that you wonder why it is God's brought that to your heart. And that would be the message this evening. The book of Luke, chapter number 16. We'll begin reading verse number 20, if you would stand for the reading of God's word. If you found your place, please say amen. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate, full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, Neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Let's pray for a moment. Father, I stand here behind the pulpit once again. Lord, I need you. As the song says, I need thee very every hour. Lord, I need you definitely in this hour. Lord, I ask that you take me out of your way. Cleanse me of sin. Fill me with your spirit. Lord, I ask that you'd speak to each and every heart under the sound of my voice. Make us less like ourselves and more like you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We have here in this passage of Scripture a parable that is familiar to all of us. One of the many times that Christ is preaching or speaking rather on hell. And he tells the story of Lazarus and the rich man familiar to each and every one of us. But this evening, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to take the green mic here, Brother Nick. This evening, if you would. I'm going to make 
the entire church a church place, if you will. My wife here the past couple of days on Netflix at the house has been watching the Magic School Bus. Hashtag Retro Weekend. And during the course of that, the Magic School Bus there, you always see them going on some adventure. This evening, the church, if you will, is the Magic Church Bus. Forgive the word magic, but you understand what I'm saying. This evening, we're going to take a bus ride into hell itself. Imagine, if you would, we're pulling out from the church and descending into the depths of the earth. We pass through the layers of bedrock into the very core of the earth, into hell itself. And we see nothing but darkness. The Holy Ghost is protecting our bus. We are not affected by the effects of hell. But we can hear the sounds of those outside of the church. We can hear the screams, the cries. Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't I listen? You can hear the rich man begging for just a drop of water so I can cool my tongue. You can hear the agony of people screaming in pain as they relive the memories of every time that someone came to them and said, if you die today, are you going to heaven? If this was your last day on earth, do you know that you know that you know? You smell the sulfur, the brimstone, as it burns around them and inflicts the burns upon their bodies. And thank God that we do not have to see a place called hell. But yet, all around us, people that we know each and every day, if they do not know Christ, one day they will suffer there. Each and every one of us has family, has friends, that do not know the Savior. Even as I'm speaking, I have no doubt that the Holy Ghost is bringing some person to your mind that you know they have never trusted Christ. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a best friend. There's a certain individual I can always think of. I can clearly recall his face. Someone that I've not seen since I was 14 years old. So it's been almost 14 years since I've seen him. And I can clearly see his face. I know his name. And I know that I missed my chance to witness to him. Many people, I fear, take hell for granted. Even us as Christians. I fear that many times we have become so heavenly minded that we are no earthly good. I fear that we've been saved so long in some of our cases that we've forgotten what it is we were saved from. The Bible speaks of those that were for, have forgotten that they were purged from their old sins, but we've forgotten the effects of sin, the wages of sin. And we've forgotten that on that night when we trusted Christ or on that day when we knelt at an altar in a church, maybe when we knelt down in a driveway somewhere, brother, we forgot why it was we got saved. We forgot how that someone took the, the Bible, the Word of God, and showed us that all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. We've forgotten that there is none righteous. No, not one. And we have forgotten especially. That except any man believe in Christ. He also shall be condemned. And I think I just butchered that verse. But. This evening. 
I want to point out several things about hell. The first is that hell is a genuine place. The world uses hell as nothing more than a swear word. Every night at work, I hear it. I hear it on the radio of the, of the station that they put it on at work. You hear it used. Video games, movies, whatever. Your entertainment. Pick your poison. And you hear it used as nothing more than a swear word. Because they're convinced that if they can somehow cheapen the word, if they can take away the, the seriousness of it, maybe it won't come to pass. They treat it as a joke. I've known people, oh, yeah, I know I'm going to hell. We're going to have a party down there, man. Let me tell you, my friends are bringing their beer. Yeah, they treat it as a joke. But I stand here tonight to remind us as Christians that hell is a genuine place. That our friends and our loved ones, if there is not a time in their life when they trust Christ as a Savior, are doomed to that place. It's not just a party place. It's not a place where you can negotiate with the devil and say, hey, if I condemn this many more people to hell, you'll let me out, right? That's not the way it works. The Bible says, he that believeth not on the Son is condemned already. It is a genuine place that each and every person, if they do not trust Christ, will face. It is a literal place of fire and brimstone. Hell is not only a genuine place this evening, but is also a godless place. The Bible says the Apostle Paul wrote the words, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And we hold to that as great comfort in times of grief when our loved one goes home to be with the Lord. When a saint passes away, the Bible says precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And we cling to that verse that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We hold to that hope that we will see them again one day. But the lost have no hope. For them, the flip side of that is true. That to be absent from the body is to be forever absent. They'll stand before His presence on Judgment Day. That's the closest they'll ever come to heaven. Hell is a godless place. It's a place of utter darkness. The Bible says there will be weeping and welling and gnashing of teeth into outer darkness is the way that the Bible puts it the way that Christ himself said it. God is light. And if it is a place of outer darkness, there is no light there. Therefore, God is not there. It is a godless place. It is a place of torment and affliction. The rich man there said, I am tormented by this flame. The instant that he died, the Bible says he lifted up his eyes. He opened his eyes. And immediately he felt the flame. Immediately he knew the torment. I can kind of picture in my mind's eye, if you will, that rich man there. Personally, I, I think that this is the rich man that built barns and man, he had too much stuff for him, he built larger. You can disagree with me, that's fine. When we get to heaven and find out who's right, I'll accept your apology. But I can see him in my mind's eye. Perhaps him coming to Jesus and saying, Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? But because his barns were full and he had constructed new barns to hold the plenty that God had given him, he went away sad. And God said, Thou fool, this night 
thy soul shall be required of thee. And immediately he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. I can picture him in Moroni's eyes. Again, the Bible never tells us clearly whether that's the same rich man or not. All it says is a certain rich man. But in my mind's eye, if that is the case, I can picture him as he remembers coming to Jesus and kneeling before him, good master, what must I do? And remembering throughout all eternity what Jesus said to him. Keep the law and love thy neighbor as thyself. And he says, I've observed all these things from my youth up. You know the story. That he went away sad because he refused to accept Christ. Because he was willing to put everything else aside and make Christ Lord of his life. Because he was refusing to trust Christ and Christ alone rather than his possessions to get him into heaven. It's a place of torment and affliction, never to know the comfort and presence of the Lord. To relive those memories time after time after time. Of every time that someone knocked on their door. That someone gave them a gospel tract. Not only is hell a godless place, but it is also a graceless place. Grace, the very definition of grace, is getting that which you do not deserve. In hell, there is no longer a getting of what you do not deserve. The moment that that, that last breath leaves their body, they are getting exactly what each and every one of us deserve. An eternity without Christ. It's a graceless place. There's no longer a chance for them to bow the knee and say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, save me. Cleanse me of sin. There's no longer a chance to do that. The Bible says that by grace are you saved through faith. There is no grace in hell for them to be saved by. They must suffer through an eternity. And yet, many times, I fear that we sit back within our four walls. Well, thank God I've got my fire insurance. Thank God I'm not going to hell. And we should rejoice in that. But I think many times we forget the fate of those whom we love and see on a daily basis. And I'm as guilty as all. I like the way Brother Larry said it this morning. We, me, myself, and I. There's no longer a choice in hell to ignore your sin. The the devils were having a meeting one day and Satan was giving a prize to the one that could come up with the best lie to tell all the world. One of them went out and he told them, he said, the Bible's not real. Jesus isn't real. And he came back and reported to Satan. He said, that, that, that's a good lie, but I don't think that's the best you could have done. Another went out and told another lie, came back. And then the third one went out, came back, had the biggest grin on his face. The devil says, I can see you did it. What was the lie you told him? There's always another day. I think of Felix in the book of Acts. Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. In a more convenient season, I will call for thee. There's another day, Paul. I'll, I'll wait until later. I'll get it right. We never hear of Felix again in Scripture. I cannot help but wonder if at some point in his life after this, he stepped into eternity and in hell. Lift up his eyes, being in torments. It is a graceless place. But hell is also a greedy place. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah that hell hath enlarged itself to meet thee at thy coming. We sing the song, brethren, we have met to worship and adore the Lord our God. 
Will you pray with all your power while we try to preach the word? Then a lot of times I think we glaze over the second verse of that song. Brethren, see poor sinners around you slumbering on the brink of woe. Death is coming. Hell is moving. Can you bear to let them go? See our fathers and our mothers and our children sinking down. Brethren, pray and holy manna will be showered all around. It is a greedy place because it was not designed for a sinner. Hell was prepared for the devil and his angels, his fallen angels. To step foot in hell is to be in a place that you do not belong in. If you, if you do not trust Christ and you go to that place called hell, you will forever know the place that you do not belong. You will forever be in that, have that feeling of not belonging. God created us in His image to be with Him throughout all eternity, to have fellowship with Him. But He will not allow sin into heaven. He is the perfect judge and will condemn people to hell. They condemn themselves by rejecting Him. And it is a place that is greedy because it wants all the souls that can possibly get. You've heard the saying that misery loves company. Even so, hell longs to have more and more victims to suffer in this flames. Hell is also a guaranteed place. There's no chance in hell for parole. The moment that the Lord's gavel slaps down on his... Lost the clock. The moment that it slaps down upon his courtroom, there is no chance for parole. There is no second chance. You don't get a do-over. They're forever sentenced. Depart from me. I never knew you. And I'm, I'm sorry to my Catholic friends, but you can't be prayed out of hell either. You can't go to the church and buy a certain number of candles and light them and get someone out of hell. That's not how it works. There is no chance for appeal to turn over the sentence that God has handed down. He is the rock. His works are perfect and all his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right. The way Abraham put it, the judge of all the earth will not the judge of all the earth do right. One day they will stand before God if they've not trusted God. If they've not trusted in Christ as their Savior, they'll stand before that great white throne and the books will be opened. And one by one they will stand before God and He will ask, what have you done with my son? Have you trusted Him as your Savior? That is the only thing that will matter in that day. And one by one, they will I can see them like those men that were called to the wedding banquet. They'll begin to make excuse. Well, Lord, I, I didn't have time for God on earth. I was so busy working trying to make sure that I could give to charity and feed the poor. What did you do with my son? That's the only thing that will matter. We as Christians tend to forget that. We forget that our loved ones are going to that place called hell. The Bible says in the book of Ezekiel, chapter number 33, that we are set as watchmen on the wall. He gives, it's verses 1 through 10, if I remember correctly, of that chapter in Ezekiel, where he says, I've set you as a watchman over the house of Israel, speaking to Ezekiel himself. He says, go and tell them of their sin. He gives the example of that watchman, that if he's set up on the wall, he sees the enemy coming, he sounds the trumpet, 
and they run into the city and are saved, all is well. If they ignore the warning and they are outside the city walls and they get slain by the enemy, their blood is upon their own head. But he also says, if the watchmen sound not the trumpet, their blood will I require at the watchman's hand. In this night of sin, we have been set as the watchman upon the wall. It is our responsibility as Christians to go out and tell others, the Lord is coming again. We say at every service, the Lord's coming soon. But do we truly believe it within our hearts? Do our actions reflect that God is coming soon? It was said of the church of yesteryear that they ran into the streets of their city and would tell the love of Christ. We have Facebook, we have Twitter, we have all these modern tools. And yet we sit there looking at memes all day. You say, what's a meme? If you don't know, you're better off not knowing. Trust me. (laughs) But we sit there. God's given us all these opportunities to reach our entire world with the touch of a screen. And yet we ignore it. I wonder how many of us, myself included, again, I'm as guilty as all, will stand before God on Judgment Day and he'll say, hey, you remember this person? I know you only met him once. It was it was at the Exxon gas station, December the 15th, 2019. They were pumping gas right next to you. You had a track in your pocket. Did you give it to him? You see, what you don't realize, my child, is they went down the street from that and hit a car head on and passed into eternity. I wonder how many times we as watchmen fail. One of the Shakespearean plays, and I can't remember which one, had the story of the king that would murder. And the blood was always on his hands. No one else could see it. But every time he looked at his hands, they were red with blood. How many times do we as watchmen have the blood of those on our hands that we meet? God's called us to be the watchmen. Watchmen, what of the night? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. The pianist is going to come. If you're here this evening and you've never trusted Christ, today is the day of salvation. This is the accepted hour. Don't leave from this place not knowing Jesus. Don't go to that place called hell. I beg of you. All you have to do is place your faith in Christ. He came to earth. He died. He lived his perfect life. Died in our place on the cross of Calvary rose again the third day according to the scriptures to where all we have to do is place our faith and trust in him and him alone for our salvation. Nothing added to it. If you're here this evening and you're saved, how is your burden for souls this evening? Do you care? There's a song in our blue book that says, Dost thou not care that millions are dying, perishing in their sin? Do we care this evening? That the world around us is on their way to a devil's hell. Heavenly Father, as we come before your throne this evening, God, I ask that you would just move in this service there, Lord. Father, I ask that you would communicate to hearts that which I cannot. Lord, give us a burden for souls, I pray, in Jesus' name. As Miss Melissa begins to play, if God spoke into your heart, you come.